0: This podcast is brought to you in association with From Sweden with Love, one of the oldest fan sites dedicated to the world of 007. Online since 2004 and also on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Why not check them out today? James Bond 007.se Nobody does it better. (laughs) Or as they say in Stockholm these days, debete. Hello, I'm John Orty. I'm a stunt historian, author, broadcaster, and producer, and the man behind, behind the stunts, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Welcome to this episode and a series of podcasts dedicated the action stunts in the James Bond movies. My new book, Ever Heard of Evil Knievel, is the definitive guide to everything action-packed in the film series. It looks at the stunts, the performers, the coordinators, and the stories behind these incredible moments captured on film. You'll hear clips from some of the interviews that have been undertaken over the years, where applicable, and sound clips from the movies themselves. The book podcast and YouTube series are also to be used as educational tools to learn from and to wander at. When you were young and your heart was an open book, etc., etc., yes, we have arrived in 1973 and Roger Moore is now James Bond. These are indeed great times. A world where one of the men considered originally back in 1962 for the Bond role finally gets a chance to show what he's made of and what a performance. Great story, excellent cast and music provided by the Beatles. Well, two of them anyway. A production so big it needs six stunt coordinators. Why so many? Well, too many areas that require much more expertise than even Bob Simmons could bring to the table. Jumping speedboats, for instance, in the hands of Jerry Camo. Car stunts are provided by Joey Chitwood and his team. Hang gliding is handled by Bill Bennett. Crocodiles and alligators are under the watchful eye of Ross Kananga. And remaining physical stunts are looked after by Eddie Smith and the Black Stuntmen's Association. Bob Simmons is in charge of everything filmed at Pinewood Studios. Let's start this look with Bond on his way to meet Felix.
1: Hello. Mr. Lido for you, sir. Thank you. Hello, Felix. How are you? Traffic permitting, I should be with you in about half an hour. Then you can find me the best lunch in New York.
0: As Bond is driven through town, a jukebox driven by Whisper pulls up next to Bond's car and kills the driver, played by stuntman Joey Chidwood. The following sequence has Bond's car bouncing off other vehicles on the road. Originally, he pitched an idea to Guy Hamilton that he could do the gag with Roger Moore in the back. This was decided not to be a great idea, primarily by Roger, I imagine, so he was doubled by stuntman Jim Heck. My favorite moment is the car climbing the steps and leaping to the other side of the road before coming to rest it appears to hover in mid-air before coming to a stop a truly overlooked moment in the film Mrs. Bond, I presume? Bond is in his hotel room alone. His gun is missing and the door starts to open. He jabs his lit cigar into the hand holding a gun which makes an appearance in the doorway and throws the assailant over onto the bed before discovering its rosy carver posing as Mrs. Bond. This was filmed at Pinewood Studios and Bob Simmons again finds a way of dropping in his Japanese somersault. But he had a bigger problem. He didn't have a double for Gloria Hendry. As was very obvious from this film she is a beautiful slender woman with a figure to die for. She's also a black woman and back in 1973 the UK didn't have any black stunt women. Their first wasn't until 1997 when Amanda Foster joined. Incidentally, the first black stunt man was Clive Curtis in 1976, and he was the only one until 1987 when he was joined by Mark Anthony Newman. In fact, there weren't many women at all in 1973, and those who were working were always very busy. Calls were made to the US and Europe to try and secure a black stunt woman for the scene but they just couldn't make it work. So Bob had a plan C. He approached Colin Skeeping. You may be familiar with this name, particularly if you're a Star Wars fan, as Colin was Mark Hamill's stunt double on the first three Star Wars adventures. He was also Miss Piggy's double on the Muppet movie. Colin isn't a big man. He's not broad across the chest or shoulders and was a wonderful gymnast. So he was asked to double Gloria and was thrown onto the bed. Roger wasn't doubled and did all the rehearsals which happened during the morning of the shoot. Everyone knows about the incredible speedboat jump during the bayou chase but if you look closely they appear to be a couple of health and safety issues. Clifton James is actually stood under both boats as they jump. Well this seems incredible these days but if you look closely you'll see him feet away from the underside of the boats. Perhaps they thought it would be Great on screen, but you have to ask about the meeting that took place beforehand. And did Clifton James accept additional financial incentive to stand there? You'd want to hope so. I know I would.
1: Perhaps we could try something in an even simpler vein. On the contrary, Mr. Barr. I think you'll find those rules quite fitting.
0: And finally this week, let's have a chat with Vic Armstrong, who tells us about his brief appearance as Roger's double, during the end
1: fight sequence. Well, that again was was, was a, a, a very fortuitous for me. Bob Simmons was uh, coordinating, choreographing the fight, and I got called in because Roger's normal stunt double, Les Crawford, yeah. was off sick. He couldn't uh-huh. get, there had a cold or something, so they called me in. Right. And I had two weeks of literally fantastic tuition of learning how to choreograph fights, how to work them out, how to invent them with Bob Simmons, who right. was very underrated and never got the credit I don't think that he should have done because he was a, a brilliant choreographer and working out the angles for the camera and how they'd shoot it and everything else, he mm. second to none. So I'm working very closely with him, working out the fight after I've come off the suspension thing I was hanging yep. on, and then knocking Yafit Koto into the... Into the uh, whatever he fell into with a pellet in his mouth and then exploded. Oh, yeah, right. The, the, I learned a huge amount. And, you know, while we are doing it, we were talking about From Russia With Love, uh, the fight in the train carriage, which a lot of that fight was based on. It's very close, close hand. Close contact, quarters, yeah. Very realistic. And From Russia With Love has always been one of my favorite fights, I think. And I learned so much from doing that, uh, that sequence. And, uh, again now I've got you know three three notches on my belt sort of thing of uh of bonds I worked on so suddenly when you do go for jobs because you had to go and sell yourself and knock yep. on doors and you know they say who are you what have you done and well I did the last three bonds da ba do and uh nobody really asked what you did on them but the fact that you worked on them and exactly else, it stands you in great stead so that was all three were an incredible accelerator for my career i must say and and standing
0: up there did you literally just sort of have to you had to grab the bar from the underside and then flip over to get the momentum to let it swing back so you got off the other side is that how that worked
1: yeah it was but that <laughs> the whole thing was a bit of a mess really because we had a platform and then there's a hoop over it and the, the top of the hoop was attached a chain right I cut myself free with a special watch he's got, and then yep. do a handstand on the, on the edge of the platform and just hold on tight and swing around in the big loop and drop onto the ground. Right, okay. We rehearsed and everything else at low heights and swinging around onto a pad, so I landed. When we came to shoot it, we were then eight feet off the ground, wherever it was, and I did the the, the, the jump, or, the, or at least just the athlete movement, yep. and as my weight came down on, on full force, Because there were no pads underneath me, it was just my weight. Obviously, accelerates your weight, exaggerates your weight. The whole platform bent and shifted, so I dropped another of 18 inches and smashed into the ground with my heels. Oh! And really, really bust them up badly and bruised them. I I couldn't literally walk. You know, it was the end of the day and the and and the take, and we did it. And I I literally went to the bathroom and got loads of tissue paper and rolled them up, put them under my instep because I couldn't, my heels couldn't touch the ground. Couldn't put them down. Wow. Certainly, it was what they call guardsman heel. Right. I couldn't even go upstairs; had to go on hands and knees on the stairs. But no, I came back to work the next day with my my insteps padded up to the eyeballs with uh, paper, so that my heels didn't touch the ground and uh, full of painkillers. And we carried on and did the fight. Thank God, I didn't have to do this, the jump again. And uh, I
0: was going to say that's it.
1: You've got yeah. There that you have to rehearse, 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 even down to the very last detail. Of it was just the fact we did it that much higher off the ground where the weight became more apparent don't forget to subscribe and check out the episodes
0: on the behind the stunts youtube channel until next time bye-bye for now